Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, today we're going to be talking about something that is, you know, almost a, I almost want to call it a silent epidemic, but um, because in the sense, the kids who are having the problems, their, their, their needs are being kept silent for the most part, except for some of the things, but um, today's show is called Today's Kids Need Attorneys to Protect Their Rights in Schools. Today, schools are no longer like the little red schoolhouse that you may have read about in books, you know, when kids gave, brought apples to their teacher and so on. Remember those days? Uh, yeah, they're still in books, <laughs> some books. Um, but now schools are battlegrounds for rights, from political rights to sexual rights, to services for special needs kids. And today's, ki- today's kids, today's guest, Piper Paul, an award-winning attorney, is going to take you behind the scenes because this is what she specializes in. And she has seen uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly is um, putting it mildly because some of these cases are downright shocking. And she specializes in helping families with disabled or special needs kids to get the services they're entitled to and not be trampled on. And can you imagine, you know, in today's schools where there are all of these uh, issues that are in the news um, between CRT and and propaganda uh, causing kids to, uh, convincing kids to become trans or the sex they weren't born with and so on. Can you imagine it's hard enough to be a kid in those kinds of circumstances uh, trying to understand, figure out what's going on, while at the same time you're supposed to be learning. But imagine if you were a special needs kid and also seeing all of this chaos around you. So thank goodness we have people like <laughs> Attorney Piper Paul. Welcome to the show, Piper. Thank you. And feel free to call me Piper. Okay, great. Because... Because, yes, I want people to know that you're a woman. Not that they wouldn't know that by your voice, but, you know, by, by saying Paul. Um, <laughs> well, first, before we get into some of these shocking cases, um, your cases, uh, first, I, I'd like to know, how, and I'm sure my, my listeners would like to know, how it is that you uh, became, and I know you do cases with, um, kids that aren't special needs as well. But how did you become so passionate and devote so much of your work to helping these kinds of kids? Um, thank you. That's a great question. I was inspired by my mom. And um, my mother was always all about children. And I had some other mentors along the way. Um, I had um, gotten into PhD programs for psychology and they did research and realized it wasn't me and instead went to law school. Okay. And this combines both my interests, the psychology um, mm. and the law. So I sort of found my niche along the way. Mm. Now that's interesting because I did the same way, did the same thing from reverse, you know, became a psychiatrist and became a forensic psychiatrist because of liking law. 
so yes, it is. There is it, the 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 um, connection between the two is really fascinating. Absolutely. So, um, so let's talk about which case. You know, there is the case that is making news now that we can start with. Um, I also want to talk about. Uh, there's a case having to do with. A child, a disabled child being thrown out of school um, because he was using the bathroom and he was the first one in the bathroom, but there was a rule that you're not supposed to have two kids in the bathroom and they blamed him, which is so, well, we'll get to him, but it's so sad and I'm sure it happens lots of times where the child who really can't speak up for himself as well is the one who's blamed. But But let's start with your current um, case that's making headlines, the Connecticut School Denying Student with Disabilities Adequate Services. Yeah, um, this is in the news uh, recently. It's a um, profoundly disturbing case, uh, exceedingly um, peaceful family, and the last place that they thought they would land is the media. They have an exceedingly hmm. um, disabled child who um, can choke to death. She's on formula and has significant needs. She was placed at a district in a specialized school, which she required for about 13 years. And then new administration came in and um, they will no longer pay for a program and they want her to go to the high school. Uh, she's nonverbal. Yes. To put she, such a disabled uh, child in a high that? school. Um, go ahead. Yeah, they want to put her in the high school, which has over 800 students, and there's many concerns there. She would be in a self-contained room, but there's dangerous appliances. There's a sink that she gravitates to. Uh, they wanted to put her in a room with a fire door and put a block in front of the fire door, uh. a distraction. Um, and they don't have staff at this point um, to ensure she doesn't choke. So they propose that the parents take her to school, pick her up, and feed her, and then she could come back until they're trained. Huh. Yeah, but she's unformal, oh, wow. and, and she's not verbal. And they will not allow the parents to come into the school at all, despite how they know how to work with their child and have always been allowed into the school. Um, the other thing that happened here, the family went and there were countless meetings to really look at this program, to consider it. And when the family said they could not send her there because it is not safe, the schools refused to provide any services since June of 2021. They said, unless she comes to school, we refuse to provide services, and she continues to regress. This is so sad. Um, what is her uh, um, physical problem, and what is her diagnosis? Yeah, she has various diagnoses. Um, she has cognitive challenges. Um, she cannot speak. She is nonverbal, and she has profound sensory challenges. So in her other school, um, she has different equipment, and she gets dysregulated easily, and she requires going in the swing. Now, she's older, but she still requires that swing. If she becomes dysregulated, 
and doesn't have access to the swing or the equipment, she starts hurting herself. In this Mm. case, there is no swing or equipment in the room, and she has to walk down the high school hallway when no other students Mm. are there into the gym room where athletes work out if no athletes are there. And she has to be escorted by two people. They know she flees and runs and drops to the floor. So the problem is, yeah, I mean, she needs this equipment. She cannot walk through a high school. Um, And she cannot only be able to access this equipment when the sports team is not in there. What is the problem where... Um, that makes, what gives her the problem with swallowing? Like, why does she choke when she swallows? She has an oral motor feeding um, challenge so that it's very hard for her to masticate or chew basic food. She had to, Mm. she was, had to have been taught how to eat. And she learned that before. And she was eating food. But with no services, she's back to formula. She could also communicate with a device. And since no services, she can no longer communicate. She's becoming withdrawn. And um, when her parents want to try to spend time with her, um, she kind of wants to push them away now. So we're watching her go into a really deep shell. Well, you know, she I, I'm sure... Also, they're hopefully watching for signs of suicidality. So she doesn't have suicidality. She has significant cognitive challenges. Um, But I mean, mean, since she's been taken out of this place where she was doing so well and she was progressing, and now because of what they did, she's regressing, that certainly would be depressing, right? That's true. Then the parents are seeing that, you know, she's nonverbal, but she's communicating it by going and spending more time mm-hmm. alone, pushing her mm-hmm. parents away. Yeah. Um, and this is, um, this family is the last family you would ever imagine would tell their story. They're exceedingly private and very peaceful and calm. When I ask them where they get their energy... Um, to pursue, to go forward. They said it's from their daughter, that she's a beautiful being and has taught them what true love is and what true patience is and determination. And that's where they've gotten the strength to go forward. That's beautiful. Now, how did they get to you? What drove them to finally contact an attorney and how did they get to you? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately... um, People come see me out of desperation. Nobody wants to pay an attorney. And many people Mm. think the situation will get worse when in actuality it gets better. Um, They came to see me. um, I don't know how they found out about me. It could be word of mouth. Um, It's kind of a small uh, legal community that I work within. Uh, And they were very Mm -hmm. frustrated. They came to me because their daughter was not receiving an education, and the, West, the um, school district would not agree to place her and insisted that she go to the high school. Mm-hmm. 
So you and have they, they thought that she could. You have. She may not live. You yeah. Have, I'm sorry. Say that last part again. They they're concerned with all the significant needs and the challenges that she was going to self harm because she couldn't get access to the equipment. And they're afraid yes. that she can choke. Um, they're afraid that she has access to a fire door that leads to a street and then a parking lot and then a busy street. They're concerned oh, wow. that she it's has access a- to appliances which she can burn herself uh-huh. on. Um, it's, yeah. it's an accident so, waiting to happen. It's, an a- it's a disaster waiting to happen. 100% agree. And the fact that they refuse to allow the parents to come in and teach or to be part of a team yeah, has never occurred before. And that family was always able to come into, she was outplaced at another school. And she was neat, the parents were needed to come in um, because they had to have top experts in oral motor feeding and top trained people. And they have a lot of outside medical providers as well that have had to weigh in on this case. Uh huh. So you know, this area of the law is human rights. This is really uh, civil rights and human rights and human dignity, and that's the area of law that I practice. Despite your challenges, um, families and children and adults all are entitled to a life that they can live as peacefully and safely as possible. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Even even if it's what? Even if you can't speak. So this young woman yes, cannot right. speak. Yes. Now, do you think that the reason why they don't want the parents to come in is because they're hiding something? You know, they're hiding that they're not treating her. Um, I mean, we know certain things about what it what it's like, but do you think they're even hiding more? They don't want the parents to see just how bad it is? I cannot understand why they wouldn't allow this when you have a life and death matter and why you would tell the parents to come pick their child up to feed their child and then bring the child back. When you have a kitchen in the room where other children are Mm. going to be eating and making food, I, Mm. I can't understand this. I truly cannot. The district's plan was that they would slowly transition the student into a full day as they learned how to care for her. And the Hmm. parents cannot take this risk. The parents also were in the school and watched part of a um, evaluation by an expert, and they had grave concerns Uh that the district did not have the experience, training, or knowledge. And they were going to have to learn from the very beginning on how to work with this young woman. And that really mm-hmm. scares them. Mm-hmm. So why do you think this new administration was different than the old administration? What was different? Why did they do this? Um, I can't explain that either. Um, I, I, I actually I can't understand it. Um, this district had new administration come in. They're now on their second administrator. And unfortunately, this comes down to money sometimes. And Mm -hmm. um, the school where the child was attending before closed 
and a lot of the teachers went to a new school. I have to say, in my experience, many of these children that were placed in these schools for profound disabilities, the districts paid to go to a new school. There are a few exceptions, and this is one of the towns. Um, I can't understand. The parents went to the Board of Ed. The Board of Ed said go to the superintendent. The superintendent said go to the director of special ed. Everybody's aware, and nobody is doing what is needed here. So I filed a lawsuit, and that's currently pending. Everybody's trying to pass the buck. <laughs> it's really, really yeah. sad. Um, well, yeah. I'm glad, Sometimes, you know, in addition yeah. to filing the, I'm glad in addition to filing the lawsuit that you are um, making it known, you know, in terms of the media, because people need to, you know, most people don't know about these kinds of things, and um, we really do do need to uh, to, to have a, a greater public awareness of some of these terrible things that are happening to kids, especially since there are getting to be more and more kids who are disabled these days, whether it's autism or various other kinds of problems, challenges, um, there are more of them. So, so you know, yeah. we have to start having a more humane way of dealing with them. And I represent students that don't have disabilities. I do a fair amount. I used to be a prosecutor. I was in homicide investigations and uh, oh, many wow. moons ago, and I learned a lot of skills from those uh, de- top detectives back back in the day. But um, yeah, it's um, I think that districts and schools, COVID had a tremendous impact. I think the mental ability of most people is much more limited. Um, the kids were out of school. Uh, the system is, from the district's perspective, is really really overwhelmed, Um, but they never, Mm -hmm. I I think a concern was the proper infrastructure wasn't in place. Um, That's not the problem here. This is, I don't know why they're doing this. I cannot Mm -hmm. explain this. And we have experts Mm -hmm. that say this program is not appropriate. I think, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. it comes Mm -hmm. down to money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe. I I don't know. We're going to need, this is a perfect place to um, end with this case uh, for the time being because we need to take a break. And when we come back, um, my guest, Piper Paul, an award-winning attorney, will share some of her other cases that are equally shocking and terrible. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. 
Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch, where we're talking today about how today's kids need attorneys to protect their rights in schools. And that is for many different reasons. Um... And my guest today, Attorney Piper Paul, she's an award-winning attorney who um, got her legal education at Brooklyn Law School, and um, she it represents her specialty is representing children with uh, special needs, but she also represents other children without special needs, but whose rights are being trampled upon. Um, so Piper, why don't you maybe give us pick out? There's so much you. you you can read her bio in the description on the website. Um, it's a very long bio, so I don't want to take the time doing that. But I, I, Piper, just tell tell um, tell us some of the the key things that you would like people to know about you. Sure. So I'm from a small town. I was a dancer, and I went to New York, NYU, uh, School of the Arts and Dance, and I ended up double majoring, um, and then I went on. Um, I just continued my education, so I uh, did the research into PhD programs, decided that wasn't me, and went to law school. And there I worked in the antitrust and organized crime task force. I worked with a federal magistrate. had ex- incredible experience. And then I became a prosecutor in New York. Um, along the journey, uh, I stopped working, and I became a PTA mom, and I thought, I need to understand. I've always been fascinated by systems. So I really got into or to understand how school districts and school systems work, and that's been exceedingly helpful in my practice um, because I think that you always have to understand everyone's perspectives in order to truly advocate for your client um, utilizing the law. So that, that's sort of how I landed here. Another sort of, um, in 2009, I was paralyzed. And I, I'm fine now. I, but I had to relearn how to move and walk. And wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. How, wait. how did that happen? It, how, how did uh, that happen? It was a, it was, it was an error that was made during surgery. But what came out of all that was ex- incredible compassion for students that have disabilities and how much harder they have to work than students that don't have these disabilities. So I learned so much um, from that experience, 
and that I then carried over into my law practice. And, and I was in the New York City Marathon a couple years ago, so I I ran as a disabled athlete, but I, um, yeah, if you saw me, you likely wouldn't know my history. But that was a profoundly um, enriching experience, which I really draw upon in my law practice. That is amazing. Um, you know, no wonder. I think that that's so important for people to know um, because, yes, of course, you you really understand this not just as, like the typical lawyer, you know, but um, for really profoundly from your own experience, that that is amazing, um, and and certainly it does explain how you have so much compassion and how you must fight so much harder for these people because you really feel it in your bones, literally. That would be true. That's very true. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let's talk Absolutely. about the case. Uh, Let's talk about the case uh, about the student with disabilities who um, broke the unpublished rule that, quote, not more than two students can be in the bathroom at the same time. Tell us about that. Yeah, this is a fairly new case, and um, it's a student um, with significant disabilities who uh, was kicked out of school um, through a disciplinary process, there's grave concerns whether or not the law was followed. And he was put in kind of like a program that the district, quote, unquote, pays for. But the problem is many of the students there are minorities. And um, these schools, the, the, the children are not, it's middle school to high school, allowed to speak, literally not allowed to talk. They go into this, this uh, school and it's not a school. It's like they rent space at a local um, facility, and they go there. They're not allowed to talk. They have to sit at a desk by themselves, and they learn on computers. Well, the client I represent can't learn on computers. And um, there was an incident where um, the child has some medical issues, which require him to go to the bathroom. He was in the bathroom the first time, and uh, the administrator came in and started using profanity and screaming at him and another student. And uh, we actually have this stuff on tape. Uh, oh, wow. Part of it. How, uh, how a lot of it. Yeah. The, the child, the child recorded it. <laughs> he hit the recording. Wow. So what happened oh, was amazing. he pulled to, I, I can't remember the exact words. I'm not going to say them now, but they were horrendous. And the child was given an out-of-school suspension and told that he had to get out of the building. He got out of the building and he called his mom because he was really scared. The school never called the mom. They put him out on the street and on the street, there's no bench and he had no coat. Now it was 40 degrees, but he still had no coat. Uh. He's unable to take a bus on his own. He didn't have money, but he cannot take an Uber on his own, and he doesn't know how to walk home. So the yeah. parents were very alarmed because this isn't necessarily in the best area, and he's very hopeless. So they mother convinced him to go around to the back, and he took photos and videos. And um, I reached out to counsel, and the kid tried to get back in the building and he was told by the security guard not only to get out but he wasn't allowed on the property 
What we found out at a subsequent meeting is the district actually has another rule, which is anybody from that program walks, and we do not believe the student walked out the door. He was told to leave and had to leave. But they have a policy that if any student walks out that door, they're not allowed back in because they could bring in contraband, which is outrageous. So you, there's a lot of concerns about biases. There's concerns about a neighborhood. Um, it's just, I've never seen anything like this. So I called the police. I was on vacation and I got the message. I couldn't get through to the attorney to let the student back in until his parents could arrive. So I called the police and the police went and had to drive him home. And now we're having a debate over where he should go to school and whether he should have ever been expelled. And um, the Department of Children and Families is involved. Um, The child, we have a timeline, uh, appears to have been out for several hours outside. But when you ask the child how long they were outside, the child will say "Mm, six minutes. So um, it's really such a tragic, tragic case. And I'm mostly concerned, obviously, I represent my client. But I'm under, really concerned about the district's policy and how this is occurring. How are we getting this? It, to me, it looks like a school-to-prison pipeline. Many of these students yes. have disabilities and were never diagnosed. And many of the parents are never told that they have rights. And they, they, it's, it's um, shocking to the conscience. The young man is so anxious now. He's had an exasperation of medical issues. Um, well, I, it's a psychological I, trauma. I'm sure he has PTSD yeah. from what happened to yeah. him. Yeah, I mean, and the fact... I mean, yeah. and, and who sends kids to school when they're not out the cold, being not, not allowed to come back in? All of this is so traumatic. Now, I'm um, agree with you. just to go back to to go back to what you were saying at the beginning, um, what kind of school doesn't let the students talk? What's up with that? Um, so um, I was in meetings with the director there, and it's the rule. It's a very punitive corporal uh, pro. Uh, and it, that's the idea. And his what he said was he has so many students. He can't manage them all. They're on all different levels, and there's very limited instruction, and that's how he tries to control. Now, there is no rule of not more than two in a bathroom. The other thing we found out was he was the first one in there, and the school knew that. And we also know that when the student went to the bathroom, this director wasn't even around. So there's a lot of concerns about what's going on in the program. And um, the students are allowed to talk at lunch only, and they rarely get to go outside. Well, this, this needs to be exposed. Are, are you exposing the school? It kind of reminds me of um, what was um, the, the yeah. uh, hospital? There was a hospital um, yeah. for developmentally yeah. disabled on Long Island. Do you remember some years yeah, ago? Sure. And I do. Stuck- yeah. Uh, do you remember what I'm the name a, of it? It was. It was a Creedmoor. No, it was um, another school. I can't remember. I can't. I do remember called the story. Yeah, it's a um, 
I've, it's just come to my attention, and I think that's where sort of my background that I learned from those homicide, you know, being in homicide investigations and all that investigative work that I did really helped me pull all these pieces together. Um, and a child went missing from that. I don't know if they were in the school, but one of these children disappeared last week. They found they found the child, thankfully. Um, I don't know if... I have no idea where she disappeared from. It was during school day. I don't know if she was in school that day or not. I have no idea. But these are some children with some significant um, challenges that need to be able to talk and need to be, ta- need to be educated, frankly. Of course. It's, it's actually, it sounds like prison. Yeah, it's like prison. In my opinion, I mean, did these and, kids? Um, do, they didn't do anything. They didn't do anything wrong, did they? I mean, they're not there so, because they committed yeah. a crime, are they? Well, so what has occurred here is again, um, and I could be wrong, but it looks like t- what I'm finding out so far. It's a lot of minority students, and they're from parents that may or may not speak English, and they don't know they have a right to an attorney. So, in in this case, the student gotten in trouble. And most of these kids have gotten in trouble for something. There's a whole process that you have to, schools have to go through to see if the action that the student is alleged to have done is related to their disability. I strongly believe uh-huh. in this case it was. But um, uh-huh. the process didn't occur the way it should have. So I do not think they should have ever moved to expel this child. He's not expelled. They then... I mean, the police went to the parents' homes. Um, they they were told to go down to town hall. They um, they felt that they were tricked, really, along the way. Testing was done. They didn't know what it was. They've never seen copies of this test. Um, it's a really I, I'm I'm considering what I'm going to do with. Uh, my clients want me to do. I've not quite made a decision yet, but I am considering um, sharing the story in full. Well, yes. I, I, I don't know how to close that com- school. What? Yes, I, I was noticing that you weren't mentioning the name of the school. Is there is there a reason you don't want to mention it? Is that it? No, no, no. It's in it's in um, it's in Norwalk, Connecticut. It's called Naop N A O P. That's the name of the school. And the Norwalk Public Schools is responsible for that program. And this is my well, side, need- right? There's another, there's another side to all of this, which is the district side. Yes. But this is what I'm seeing and perceiving, and these are, are definitely significant concerns that I have. Uh-huh. Oh, I was just looking it up. Willowbrook. Willowbrook was the school. Oh, yeah, back in the day. Yeah, yeah. I remember that Yeah, case. this was yeah. in the... This was in, uh, let's see, when was it? Uh, 1965. Willowbrook housed over 6,000 intellectually disabled people, despite having yeah. a maximum ca- capacity of 4,000, and so on. Um, and it was a whole big scandal. Yeah. And it got the school yeah. closed, and it fixed the problem. I think yeah. you should do the same thing. <laughs> I'm strongly considering it. Thank you. I'm thinking about it, yes. I mean, it, it's, it just sounds awful. Yeah, it is. It's um, not what I expected to find, but I did. I stumbled upon it, and that sort of happens sometimes, right? These cases, 
seem to find yes. me. <laughs> I'm not looking yes, for them. Yes. And then I feel a yes. moral responsibility to utilize the law to try to make change on behalf of my clients. Yes. Well, you're doing incredible work. Um, Thank you. I mean, it, it's hard enough for these families and for the children, of course, to to um, try to make a good life, life for themselves um, and to then come across these outrageous rules and conditions and, and from, from people uh, who think they can just get away with it because they're dealing with, you know, a population who may not be so educated, yeah. <laughs> excuse me, or minority or poor or whatever. Um, yeah. it, it, it's just horrendous. I think you I'm should start agree your own you. radio show. <laughs> you should start your own radio <laughs> show. We're, we're I'm not, I'm not really, this is a little, this is very new to me. I try to stay under the radar and I'm more kind of like <laughs> cerebral and intellectual. You know, it's a little outside my comfort level, but I uh, feel that I have no choice and it's important that these stories be told. Okay, and when we come back, we will hear more of these stories, these horrendous stories that Attorney Piper Paul is uh, fixing with her, with her hard work and her dedication and compassion. So stay tuned and you'll hear more. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. 
We have a really distinguished guest today, Attorney Piper Paul. She has won awards for her work, dedicated work, which you have now heard really has uh, a lot of heart in it, not just uh, legalese, but, you know, she's really, really has a lot of compassion for her clients. Um, we're now going to talk about one of her cases that actually had a good outcome so that we don't leave you with the feeling that just <laughs> it's hopeless or that everybody, um, you know, that there is no way of fixing these things. So tell us about this new case or this, this case where things worked out well. Yeah, and I, I want to say that um, families come to me at the darkest hour, and if I hadn't, haven't seen all these amazing results that impact not only the child but their families and generations to come, I wouldn't be able to do this work. So this is one story of so many of when things work, what happens. Uh-huh. Um, this uh-huh. student was in high school. And uh, they got themselves in a little trouble. Um, and when the student came into my office, um, it was a young man, and he had all Fs, and he was failing. And he was having problems going to school. I'm just really bombing. And I'm talking to him, and then thought, oh, this kid is smart. And so I said to him, um, you do know you're smart, don't you? And he said, I'm stupid. I have all Fs. I said, yeah, guess what? Don't believe it. Um, the thing I do uh, when kids get in trouble is they'll speak in front of their parents, and they always talk to them privately, and sort of my background, and my first line is usually maybe a colorful language here, but whatever you said to your parents, don't think that I believed it, or all of it. Do you want me to help you yeah. with that? And we had frank conversations, and in this case, I got the young man to agree to comprehensive testing. The district was extraordinary. They placed him in another school. Um, and the student still made some errors, uh, like one day decided he didn't want to stay at that school and took an Uber back to his old school, which tactically was trespassing or mm-hmm. got in. So, but nobody gave up on this young man. It ended up that he did have some disabilities, was exceedingly bright. It's called twice exceptional. And he got a program and he graduated from high school in this last meeting. He said, can I talk to you for a minute? Which reminded me of what I said to him when he first came to my office. Uh-huh. Can I talk to you for a minute? Uh-huh. And, and he said, um, thank you for never, thank you for always believing in me and for telling me I was smart. I graduated with straight A's and I'm going oh, to wow. college. So that was an extraordinary team effort. The district had dropped the ball and not recognizing what was going on, but came around and did all the testing and then found a school. And when he started to struggle because he decided he didn't want to be in school and took an Uber to his old school, oh, my goodness. He didn't, they didn't arrest him. He, they worked with him again. And this is this incredible outcome of this young man. And I see this happening when the students get the right programs and things work collaboratively. Um, tremendous things can occur. Uh-huh. What made him go back to his old school? Was it a person who he missed? 
Uh, he didn't. <laughs> he's a kid, right? He's at his new school. He doesn't really know anybody. He wanted to go say hi to his friends, so he, he walked out of the building and took an Uber. She and I had a little chat. We had a chat, <laughs> and um, there were such compassionate, caring, dedicated staff in this school that understood this young man and understood how to teach him and worked with him tirelessly. And this young man completely turned his life around and saw how truly brilliant he was. So it was uh-huh. just, and, and I have this thing that I always say to students, uh, please let me know when you graduate. Don't worry. Like if you ever see me, I won't ask, we won't know each other. I will never attend your graduation. But I want to send you a little card and just a little gift. And yeah. I just send a little money. And it's just uh-huh. um, because a lot of these students have to work so much harder um, than other students. So, and, and, you know, and again, I represent a fair amount of um, people without disabilities as well. Um, some sexual assault cases, you know, in all kinds of different venues. So it, my focus is on um, students. But I also represent people all the way up that are trying to apply for accommodations on med school, law school, all those type of things as well. So I, I sort of have uh-huh. a broad range of um, what I do. Uh-huh. Well, you know, do you know the story? Um, I worked on a case that, you know, this is kind of reminding me of, uh, Michigan versus Kelly Stapleton. This was the mother who was charged with attempted murder of her autistic daughter. Um, her daughter was, she took, her daughter was autistic. She recognized it and she got her diagnosed when she was very young, two or three years old. And um, she got her treatment starting from then. She took her all over to get, you know, experts uh, and did all kinds of things with her. But the older that she got, so she would have these temper tantrums. And the older that she got and the bigger that she got, um, the more serious these temper tantrums were and the more dangerous. And, um, the, you know, so she started knocking out her mother. I mean, she started hitting her mother and and she was really, she was bigger than her mother and stronger than her mother. And, um, and so, but, and so, but eventually the mother got her into a program in in a hospital, a special program, new program, and the program did a good rate, a good job. And mm-hmm. she was supposed to come back to school after she finished this program, a special needs uh, department in the school, and she was 13. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. and at the last moment, the school, after she completed this, you know, special program, inpatient special program, she was doing really well, uh-huh. the school um, just changed their mind and said, no, we're not going to take her. And mm. that was it. The mother was at her wit's end because, um, wow. you know, there was nothing else more to do. <laughs> and um, and she, she had put her mother in the hospital several times, you know, through her temper tantrums and so on. And so finally one day, and the mother was religious, and so she decided mm-hmm. that it would be better if the two of them, there was no more hope on, in the real world, you know, on earth. Um, so she was going to find a way for them to both um, kill themselves together, a murder-suicide, mm-hmm. so to speak, although they were really, she, she had, took her in a van, their van, and she had um, these heaters that, like, that you cook 
that, that are charcoal, that, like for uh, camping out. And she lit the um, the heaters, the uh, fires, or whatever, charcoal burners, yeah. I guess you would call it. And yeah. um, and they were supposed to go to, and she closed all the windows in the in the camper, and they were supposed to die, mm-hmm. you know, through the gases mm-hmm. that came from this burner. And right. in the end, uh, they were found before they died, and she was tried for attempted murder. And mm-hmm. I was her expert witness. And um, and her attorneys, um, you know, they did an okay job for a while, and then she ran out of money. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so they convinced yeah. her to take a plea deal because they didn't want to mm-hmm. keep working on her case. And, right. um, and, so, and she was feeling so guilty anyway at that point that she took the plea deal. Yeah. And although right. I, you know, diagnosed her as having PTSD and having that, that her home had become a war zone and she had PTSD yeah. from being in it, living with her daughter. And so um, in the end, uh, I testified for the sentencing and the judge, before he made his ruling, he said to the attorneys who were representing her, you know, this is really a mistake if you would have brought her to trial and would have had these witnesses testifying at her trial, um, they yeah. certainly would have been one person who would have voted to acquit her. And oh. But they didn't do that. And so he gave her, um, I think it was 11 years uh, in jail. And it was just yeah. a, such a sad story. Yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, and that is another example, um, a slightly different example of this same problem of schools not... Yeah. Um, caring or not doing what they're supposed to be doing to help people with these disabilities. Yeah, I mean, it's really an interesting, uh, the, the law actually, um, the purpose of the law is to enable people to live as independently as possible to go on to higher education if possible and or to be employed. And in the students that are profoundly disabled, it is to try to create the most peaceful life that you can where they have the most skills. Uh, it's human dignity. And, um, yes, I have represented students um, that can be exceedingly violent. Um, and I did ultimately end up where the students were able to go to a therapeutic residential program, but people were getting hurt and it took a lot for that to happen. The students had to run away. Um, They had to run down the street and they had, they had all kinds of crazy things had to happen before that occurred. It's a miracle. No one truly got hurt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's unfortunate. That's wonderful that you testified for her. Yeah. Yes, I mean, I was, uh, you know, I felt good about uh, what I tried to do, but I felt, uh, you know, and I guess the judge to some degree had no choice to um, the the, the way that the attorneys pled. Now, I know, of course, you wouldn't do anything like that. (laughs) You do not sound like the kind of person who would do that, uh, who would, you know, make make a defendant take a plea. Too, because because you didn't want to have to work for them, <laughs> continue working when they had paid you, you know, only a certain amount. Um, and then, um, you know, I, I actually do do things like that. Uh, 
I, I do do things like that. If I believe in a case, I work out situations with families because at some point, um, when all this is going on and you're towards the end, I there's also a legal obligation. Like if you're in the middle of something, you can't just stop. And you right. often have to ask for permission to um, be recused. Uh, what could have happened? Mm-hmm. I don't know what was thinking in the in the process. They may have been afraid because she could have faced a lot more time. Maybe they thought with 11 years she might do a third. I don't know the reasoning that went into that. Um, but um, she could have faced a lot more time if she lost. And going to a jury, um, you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, she's got to live with that for her life. And um, I think that um, people sometimes don't understand what it's truly like, like my clients, um, in the case that's in the media, to be in their shoes every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. Well, we need to wrap this up now um, because our time is up. I could talk to you for a lot longer. But um, <laughs> I think you gave you gave people a really good examples of the various kinds of cases that you handle and problems that there are out there. And um, I, <laughs> I would like to encourage you to make a Willowbrook out of moat or mayot or however you <laughs> how do you pronounce it m a o t moat oh i don't know you mean with the alligators yeah. and everything and the princesses and the gates <laughs> no no, no. no. the school that the school that you that you were talking about that was like oh nayop i think it's nayop now yeah n a o p is the name of the program they said moat. Nayop. Okay. <laughs> moat. Yeah. Nayop. It's, it's, oh, like, okay. a, it's like a place that, um, yes, Mayot. Okay. But I was saying, I, I, don't I hope know that you say. make a willow brook out of Mayot. <laughs> because I will that consider seems that. like that deserves to happen. <laughs> All right. Well, thank and, you and so you know, much. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. And, and, and and one last thing, at the root of a lot of this is actually trauma, right? On the impact yes. it's having to students and families and others. And that's the piece that we all need to find a way so that we can heal and work with one another. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank um, you. Such, such devastation, such trauma to the kids and the family. Well, thank you so much, yeah, well, Attorney Piper Paul. You. Uh, for being a guest on my show. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.